What's going on, everybody? I tell you, it's uh, it's a lot of the same old story and not a whole lot changes in these markets. I mean, dollar goes down, yields go down. Stocks like that, right? And we'll continue to talk a little bit more about that. Banks are finally starting to raise some rates. They have competition now. You can't, they don't expect people to leave money in and automatically make money. So yeah, things are going to change for them. And they got to raise these rates to keep up with the rate of inflation. It's been way too long and they got to do it. And Tesla, once again, cutting prices, sending everybody into a tizzy. We'll talk about that and a whole bunch more, maybe even get into the platform. But first, welcome to the most dangerous show on the Taste Trade Network. It's engineering the trade. I'm Jamal Chandler, your humble host. Been a busy couple of days. Um, Friday, uh, for loyal watchers of the show, you probably know about this. Went to, was talking about it, finally went and did it. Went to a monster rally, monster truck rally, I should say. Monster rally is probably a very different thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It was a good time. It was, uh, I've just always wanted to go. I've never been for some reason or another. And you know what? There's enough excuses, right? I feel like this year, last year, next year is a bunch of that. No more excuses. You're just going to do the things that you didn't do before. So took my youngest guy, my 10 year old. We went and had a great time, man. He had fun. We did have to get some earplugs. It was a little loud. And here's the thing. It's not so loud that you couldn't completely handle it. It's just you probably should pay attention to your health, your ear health, right? It's the same thing they say about eye health. I mean, you could walk around when it's sunny with no sunglasses, but it's probably better for your eyes if you have some sunglasses, you know? So my little dude, being a guy, he's, we get in there, it was super loud. It was like echoing off of everything. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm getting used to it. I think it's fine. I was like, nah, let's go get some earplugs. Like, you know, the wise person that I am now. <laughs> I totally would have been the same way as him back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And But it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, what else did we do? There was a St. Patrick's Day parade in our area the other day. So that was cool. I was meeting, see a lot of people that we usually know and hang out and watch the little dude get some candy. I don't remember going to a lot of parades as a kid. I just don't. Not to say we didn't. You know, you say stuff like that in front of your parents, they get pissed off. What do you mean? You, didn't, you just don't remember. And it's probably true. But we make it a point to go to a decent amount of things like that. Mostly, mostly because, well, I mean, my wife is the person that runs that. She drives that, right? I mean, I don't think about going to parades. This is how I'm built. I'm just not a parade person. I have become a parade person over time. I don't want to be like Scrooge, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, it's good to do stuff like that. It's fun. You know, it's fun. And then uh, great times on Saturday night, hung out with an old friend of mine. We've been boys forever. Went out to dinner. Went out to Untitled Supper Club in uh, Chicago. I, I feel like I've maybe heard of it. Never went. It's kind of like one of those like prohibition style restaurants, you know. I mean, meaning like you go down there and it's just they're playing old movies. You know, it's like uh, there's there's a there's like four different full bars. And when I say full bars, I mean they have scotches and bourbons and everything all over the wall. They got the colors behind the glasses. You know the type of place I'm talking about. It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Good time. Huge space down there. You would never assume from the outside what it looks like on the inside. It's one of those type of places. Pretty sweet. That's it. That's enough for my weekend, man. Let's pull out some slides. I'll tell you what. Um, the markets are pretty easy to figure out, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. 
usually over the past year, stocks are down because either the yields are up or the dollar's up. One of the two. Not really much in between. So a day like today is pretty straightforward. We were up higher earlier today. Um, we had a surprising bounce on Friday. Let's start there. Because honestly, it seemed like we were going to start in the week down and we were going to be like the fourth consecutive down week. And somehow or another, we bounced. And Friday, we rose. And then we got another day like that going on today. We started out like gangbusters, at least, kind of melting up throughout the day. Faded after a while. But in general, if Treasury yields are down, the dollar is down, stocks are going to be up. I don't even know if stocks have a choice in the matter when it comes to that. And so that's what we've been seeing for the majority of the year. So honestly, the biggest threat to stocks are yields. I know it's not sexy, but that's just what it is, right? And and let me do the let me do the math for you at once. It's not even the math; it's the relationship, right? It's almost like a, um, uh, you know, a, a sort of a relationship between two things when you're looking at it over the past year. If for some reason yields treasury yields hit a new level, it's because you're expecting the Fed to raise rates higher, which is probably going to lead to more strain on companies and eventually maybe lead to job losses. Now, the last part is the one thing that we really haven't seen yet. We get a good look at that later on Friday, a little advance warning on the jobs report coming up Friday. But that is the general relationship. And so um, the interesting thing, however, is recently to see how the terminal rate has shifted further higher, 5.5% now. It's looking at we might end that. And markets really haven't freaked out too much. I think if that thing pushes a six, six and a half, then markets might freak out. But you know what? And the thing is, we don't know where the terminal rate is going to stop. I know it says terminal in it, but it's just saying the expected terminal rate. We need to start calling it the expected terminal rate because it, there's nothing terminal about the terminal rate right now. It's not guaranteed we're going to stop at five and a half percent. But that's the biggest risk of stocks, in case you were wondering. Dollar as well, another big risk of stocks. We know dollar wreaked havoc all of last year. And we watched them unfold. So those are the two things you got to keep an eye on. But it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Speaking of all this stuff, you know, banks are starting to finally lift their rates a little bit. You see CD rates now, some of them are starting to go north of 4%. Um, after, you know, last year, a majority of the year, uh, really, they I should say a year ago, they were about 0.25%, which is basically the, the higher end of where the rate, um, where the, the kind of the rate sort of as area was right zero to, to 0.25 percent that's basically where they they left them for banks for the longest time for cd rates for anything you know they didn't have to pay you anything on any type of money you kept in the bank but now they're competing right because you can literally go out and buy treasuries and that would be an issue for banks because they don't have enough in deposits and so they're starting to get the memo they got to raise rates on cds on all of the like because there's competition out there for cash big time you don't have to park it in a bank you can do a little bit of something with it and if you're going to park it in a bank the bank better give you something on instead of just sitting in deposits so you notice banks are starting to raise rates a little bit now this doesn't necessarily this doesn't uh i mean you know JP Morgan is definitely one of those banks that probably already ahead of the curve on this. Um, I mean, because they also charge you all kind of ridiculous fees on other stuff too, right? That's no diss to JP. It's just how some of these banks work, Bank of America, et cetera. Personally, I'm not one of those big bank people. I'm a credit union type of person. Um, 
you know, and that's always more interesting uh, for me anyway, like the credit union stuff. I mean, they're, they usually give you better rates uh, overall, not necessarily so much on CDs and stuff like that. They try to be competitive, but overall, banks are starting to get the memo now that they got to do more. Tesla, car prices. You know, it's never been cheaper to get a Tesla throughout the whole range of Teslas. There's four of them, right? I think there's the three, there's the S, the X and the Y, I believe there's something like that. I forget what it is. Anyway, they drop prices on their high-end models. I believe it's the Y and the X, right? Um, that they dropped prices on. But in general, the Model 3, I mean, it's $5,000 cheaper than any on average car in the US right now. And Tesla's really competing. And they're expecting this to stoke demand. So this could change Tesla stock prices recently. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see if it really there is a real follow through. They give those monthly numbers every uh, every whatever that is. When is the next one? It should be coming up soon. Actually, when we find out what Tesla's numbers were, unless it just we just had it. But those are the things you want to keep an eye out for, right? They've lowered prices. Now, what's going to be the follow through in the stock price? Is there going to be a big change? Big difference? You wonder. It's crazy though. It's like most things, right? Like when when um when um what what a big screen TVs like the flat screen TVs first came out. I mean they were crazy expensive, and now over time they've gotten a whole lot cheaper. I mean you can buy a couple of those like no problem. Teslas were crazy expensive when they first came out. They're still probably a little bit expensive on the higher end model side, but overall now they've kind of the technology is not you know a new thing anymore. You're starting to see other companies compete, the Fords, the GMs, all of those of the world. So. Tesla's just doing what normally happens with most products that went from being completely niche to sort of uh, garden variety. They're really keeping it competitive. Leftovers, cost of mobile internet around the world. Let's move ahead to the next slide. As we do, I got to say what's up to all my people who are watching the show today. Thanks for watching, man. Hit the like and subscribe button. I appreciate you guys watching the show. It means a lot. And, um, I tell you, I hope to see some of you guys when we do these tours. I know you guys have seen uh, we have a new updated uh, schedule of tours coming out. We're going to be in Houston, actually, in uh, two uh, a week. What's this? Uh, two weeks from this Friday, we'll be in Houston hanging out uh, with the people of Texas. If you're around, come on out, man. Come on out. Check me out. And the fellas. Uh, and the ladies. <laughs> All of us. Please. Leftovers. This is the cost of one gigabyte of mobile data in selected countries and territories in 2022. And I just put the United States there for you just to drop that in there to see $5.62 for one gigabyte of mobile data, right? And you think you have it hard. I mean, look at Switzerland. Look at South Korea. Look at St. Helena. Woo. You know where it's cheap? Israel, Italy, India, France, China, Spain, Nigeria. Brazil, fairly cheap, especially when you compare those to the United States. Um, would you have expected this or would you have expected it differently? I kind of thought it would be different. I mean, I wouldn't have thought, I guess I just didn't, I don't pay much attention to how much it costs for a gigabyte of mobile data, but I wouldn't have expected the U.S. to be so elevated compared to a lot of these other countries. I mean, sounds like um, we need to get over to Italy and France and Spain because it's pretty cheap over there for mobile data. It must be nothing, you know? But I want, uh, nah. it's, I just, I wouldn't have expected this. It's kind of interesting and very different. And I am not moving to St. Helena anytime soon. And if I do, I'm not going to have a phone. I'm not going to be using phone for internet. I can tell you that. The hell with that. Let's move ahead to the next slide. 
Spy Vault is super duper cheap right now, and Ply Volatility is pretty low, but also just historical vault, right? I mean, we haven't had any crazy moves. I think, was it last Tuesday? I can't remember. One of these last Tuesdays, we had a big move, uh, 2% down to the downside. Really hasn't been huge moves, and as a result, that's usually going to keep historical volatility or realized volatility, also as it's known as. That's usually going to keep that fairly low. Um, but yeah, we, it's been the, this is the lowest we, it's been in well over a year that we've seen historical uh, volatility in SPY. And as a result, um, we're getting this. Usually when you, know, you see SPY vol this low, sitting around 15, when you see implied vol under 20, when you, that means probably the VIX is under 20, right? And that means overall implied volatility is fairly low. And what does that mean? Probably not selling a lot of volatility right now in trades. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. Waiting for better levels uh, in the market to sell things because uh, this is definitely not it. I actually closed out a bunch of different trades on Friday when I realized it just didn't make sense to hold on to them anymore. I had a Google Iron Condor. Um, I had a Tesla Iron Condor. Both of those were under 20 IVR. It's time to close out. I had a coin I, um, Iron Condor. IVR is still a little elevated in there. It's like 32. But... I just felt it had run its course. It's, you know, when, and for those of you, for those of you who haven't seen this before, we do have this, uh, I need to, you know what? I need to pull up myself. It's on me. We have a chart that shows VIX um, on the same chart. It's like a, a sort of a, you know, six table chart. It's more, more like a table, right? A VIX and buying power. Depending on the level of the VIX, that's how much buying power you should be ha have allocated into the market. And in these situations where VIX is below 20, you shouldn't have a whole lot of buying power in the market. I mean, you just shouldn't just because, again, the and then we have a lot of studies on this that show VIX has a better chance of going from 18 to 24 um, really fast than it does from going 24 to 30. Right. Like so the VIX pop right now could be a lot more detrimental in a name that you're short that has an 18 IVR versus any other situation. So. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, be patient right now. We always end the show with be smart, be patient. I mean, this is one of those times to be smart and be patient for higher levels of volatility because things are fairly low. Now, I get if you want to make some directional trades, you want to buy some put spreads and names that are like, you know, zero IVR or two IVR, whatever they are right now. There's a lot of those. I get that. You want to make some directional trades. Um, this is probably a decent time for that because you're not paying a whole lot for things. You know, if you're doing a put spread or a call spread, and um, just remember how to do them, how the mechanics behind doing those. But those are fairly low. And we probably have some directional moves to be made. It's maybe, you know, a lot of people probably feel to the downside right now because we have been up and because volatility is, is low. I don't know. But keep that in mind when you're looking at trades. Let's move ahead to the next slide. Uh, along the same lines here, right? We just looked at uh, where, where where implied volatility is and historical volatility is. That's exactly what this thing is, right? This is the implied vol risk premium. Um, talked about this many times on the show. Also have a video on it on the uh, YouTube page under videos. You can see it. It's about implied vol risk premium. This explains this. Essentially, it's just the difference between expected volatility or, um, ex I'm sorry, the difference between expected volatility and historical volatility, as you can see right here, 
by the uh, formula. Essentially all it is. VIX minus historical vol. Right now, VIX is somewhere around 18. Historical vol is around somewhere around 15. We get something around three for this. Now, you always want to see this above zero because that's when you know it's a good time to sell vol. However, if overall vol is fairly low, like I said, there's not a whole lot of opportunities right now. So um, this can be a little probably misleading right because the last time that this was three was uh late last year and that was probably a decent time to sell but um we were also moving a lot at the time too just evidenced by when you look at november 22 to december 22 you can see we're in negative historical vol was higher because we were moving a lot more right so keep that in mind not a ton of opportunities this just tells you more of the story let's move ahead to the next slide Uh, this is a chart that's been floating around today. I usually I replicate charts like these, but I just was like, what the hell? I'm going to take it. And I did. This is a good one. It's showing VIX showing, uh, FX volatility in the form of this, uh, JP Morgan, you know, uh, ETF, whatever, but it's showing VIX it's showing FX volatility and it's showing the move index, which is treasury volatility. And overall you can see treasury volatility is low which makes sense usually is right i mean outside of really crazy times treasury vol is um sorry uh um, um fx vol excuse me uh currency vol oh i totally well, i just realized that's something wrong here yeah treasury vol is white and treasury vol is high because treasuries have been moving a lot currency vol is supposed to be is the blue yeah i didn't mess it up i did i currency vol is the blue it should be the blue but that's wrong. No. Currency vol is the orange. Sorry, guys. I'm all screwed up here. So I got to change that on the chart for you. Currency vol is the orange one, which obviously makes sense. Um, currency vol is, has been elevated over the past year because there's been a lot going on in different currencies. But you can see it's turning now, right? Overall. And obviously, you know, equity vol, that's the VIX, right? Um, and, um, equity vol is, is kind of low these days. As you can see VIX is at 18. We've talked about that. Currency vol is starting to come down some, although some of them are still kind of high. You can look a lot of these up, right? We saw Euro high and high volatility for most of the last year. Obviously the yen has been high for a while there, uh, but it's starting to turn down, but you can see more recently, uh, the one that was driving a lot of this was the treasury vault, right? And the move index, which you probably heard a lot of. That was elevated for most of last year, started to come down at the beginning of this year, but it's starting to bounce back up as this whole talk of terminal rates going higher and all these different things. And, you know, we've seen obviously uh, two year yields go back to like 4.8% for a little bit. We saw 10 year yields above 4%. And so that is raising treasury vol. So it's interesting to see that treasury vol is still kind of elevated and rising but currency vol is turning the other way a little bit and obviously equity vol is fairly low and equity vol was running with currency vol um or i should say treasury vol for a little bit but it slowed down calmed down a little bit so keep an eye on the yields right yields start to tick higher if we get a five percent in the two year if we get you know four and a half in the 10 year which i don't think we're going to get at the same time because that would mean a difference of point uh, of 50 basis points in the two ten spread. And right now it's still above 80. So that's not going to happen. That's not going to change anytime soon, but you know what I'm getting at? If twos and tens start to go higher, that's going to spook the equity markets. And that could lift the equity vol in the form of the VIX. Again, that could lift currency vols as well. So 
uh as i've been saying for a while man treasuries are are they're they're they have the upper hand they have for most of the year and they have until they calm down until the fed uh that talks about the until the idea of a pivot in rates does materialize and we get more of that talk ain't nothing changing for a little bit so to the next slide ah uh, bitcoin man um bitcoin i had a big fall on uh friday which surprised me a little bit because the news of silvergate was out maybe like two days prior yet for whatever reason bitcoin uh decided to uh maybe i don't know maybe it was the end of the week and people decided to sell but that's the first five percent move that we had seen uh, since november right it had been fairly quiet um five percent to the downside anyway that we had seen since november um it's you know it's a couple of things i feel like i'm like Seriously, I, there's a couple of things that I feel like I've talked about on the show, and then one or two days later, it actually happens, some movement. Like this, for example. We talked about Silvergate a couple of days earlier on the show. We talked about what was going on, how it's affecting Bitcoin. For whatever reason, late reaction on Bitcoin, down 5% on Friday. Snapchat. We talked about how uh, um, how there's a possible ban on TikTok coming. We talked about that like either Tuesday or Thursday last week. Just today, all of a sudden, Snapchat is making a move big time, as if that's new news. I don't understand it. Am I just that far ahead? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not bragging. I'm just curious. I don't understand what's been taking them so long on these things. Bitcoin was spooked out clearly from the Silvergate situation, but uh, it seems to be picking itself off the map. It wasn't. It was. It's. Uh, it was positive last I looked at it today, but uh, we'll see. Uh, let's move to the last slide here. Earnings really not a whole lot that I saw interesting, other than maybe Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, most of them are a lot of little smaller cap uh, uh, names that are having earnings over the next uh, 24 hours. So um, to each his own. Consumer credit reports coming up on Tuesday. This is obviously part of the economic mixture, if you will, the soup of economics, right? What's going on with consumer credit? How much people are spending list left and right? Uh, will the will the, they eventually be you know up against it with, with regard to jobs, which we find out on Friday? Uh, we're going to see. Um, actually, Powell's going to speak uh, tomorrow and Wednesday before I don't know some kind of House Financial Congressional Committee, whatever doesn't matter. He's going to be speaking, and obviously, you want to know if he's going to sort of keep probably talking about the idea of longer for hire, which more than likely he will. He's not going to be talking about a pivot. No damn way he will. So more than likely, that's what's going to end up happening. But nevertheless, when Powell speaks, people got to listen. Euro area GDP is coming out uh, on uh, Wednesday, along with the ADP and JOLTS reports that are the beginning of what we get for a complete picture of the jobs report coming up Friday. Royal Bank of Australia, the Bank of Canada, and the Bank of Japan have rate decisions this week. I believe RBA is tomorrow. I uh boc might be wednesday or something the bank of japan's thursday something like that or maybe even friday i don't know and then we have a u.s non-farm payroll report coming up on friday one of the big ones we'll see we'll see what happens i don't i feel like most of the economists haven't gotten a jobs report right in quite some time so who am i to tell you what i think might happen number of sp 500 stocks above the 50-day moving average Back to about 50% of S&P 500, right back to 50, something else. Can't see the shaking. Let's move to the platform real fast. My people in the chat, are you with me? Where you at? Any questions up in here? Um, just curious. Hey, guys. 
looking at my strangles. It's Laurent Grossman. Looking at my strangles, I'm sitting at approximately 8 to 10% of the current prices and feel okay being assigned. And no, it's not the tasty method. And that's fine. You know, tasty method is guidelines, right? I mean, it's, it's guidelines to help those who really haven't learned how to trade much kind of understand very hard comple uh, complex concepts of options, options pricing, options volatility, right? So those, those guidelines, they're mostly guidelines. The idea behind Tasty Mechanics is the fact that you learn mechanics on trading and not just out there slinging it willy-nilly. You kind of have an idea of understanding how options markets work, but then also to be able to be mechanical trading-wise because you can't be emotional. So don't worry about it. You're not fully using it, but you have to keep that in mind. Things aren't going well. It's more because you don't have a mechanic system set up, right? Anyway, I know it's not the Tasty Method, but anything wrong with buying back calls and letting the puts expire? Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I would say it probably helps you to, um, you might want to, so a lot of times when I have something like a strangle like that, or, uh, you know, call spread or a put spread, or, you know, anyone, I'm not even, I don't even have to demonstrate just in general, when you have a spread, right? Like a strangle is a spread. You usually want to trade it as a spread on and off right and then that way you're not um it, it's just it's a complete trade as opposed to just looking at it individually because when you put them on you didn't look at it individually you said i'm short these calls and i'm short these puts and so obviously the dynamics change if you just close out the calls and you keep keep the puts on so i mean unless there's a specific reason where you know i'm not and again we're i don't know any specific name you're talking about is the ivr still elevated is that why you want to keep the put trade on and you know so just analyze it in that way right and so um keep, also keep in mind where stocks are right now how much we bounce and if they fade back down how much will you be impacted by that short put without having a short call as a little bit of short delta right like just a little bit so me personally i like to sort of I, 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 and I know where you're coming from because I used to do this, but I've learned over time I just want to keep uh, it all one trade. So I either put it all at one time or close it all one time. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on that. Looking forward, again, things are uh, somewhat bleak fall wise. Not a whole lot expected to happen. It is interesting, though, that uh, looking at this last week, these falls were, were all kind of low for this week, but looks like they perked up a little bit in anticipation of jobs report. That's Friday. This is tomorrow. This is when Powell's expected to speak, and I'm guessing that's where this little bump is coming from. Um, same thing here, 28 and 24, so that shows you there. Powell's in the house. Um, but, yeah. Uh, myself, I've got, uh, you know, for the longest time, you guys know if I've been long. I'm basically long the AI trend. Let me just put it out there like that. i am got a zebra on and and uh, Microsoft, although I am short one further upside call, that was kind of um, a hedge at the time. I have a post earnings. I've been long the video, um, long the call, call spread in there. Put this on on Friday, actually, two twenty five, two fifty five, basically like fourteen dollars and change. Most I can make is fifteen dollars and change. Um, AI got a zebra on on there. Had this on heading into earnings. Worked out great. Stock went up twenty eights. Rolled it out to April, got to 2025. So that's kind of where I am on things. It's kind of what I'm holding for now. You know what? That's our time, guys. That's our time. Thanks for watching the show. And as always, be smart, 
be patient, trade them small, trade them often. I'll see you guys in 24 hours, 23. Peace. The content of this podcast is created, produced, and provided solely by Tasty Life Inc. and does not represent the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliated companies. This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or a recommendation that any security, futures contract, digital asset, other product, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities, futures products, and digital assets involve risk and may result in a loss greater than the original amount invested. Tasty Live Inc., through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided may not be appropriate for all investors and is provided without respect to individual investor financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tasty Live Inc. is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.